from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is My Guys in the Desert with Stormy Bonantoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. What's uh, going on? Welcome into the show. Stormy Bon and Tony here with you for the next hour. We are live from our recent studio at Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. And I know there's only a few of you that actually listen to the show looking for good hockey content, but gotta give a shout out to our guy Nick Alberga yesterday, um, just dropping dimes. Almost every single thing that he talked to us about hit yesterday, including anytime goals from Tyler Toffoli in his debut with Calgary, Sidney Crosby getting his 500th regular season goal in their win. So lots of great stuff yesterday. Um, our college hoops play of the day ended up working out as well. Shout out Wisconsin getting the outright win as a three and a half point dog against Indiana. We went streaking yesterday, which was a little hit or miss, but isn't it always? Uh, let's get some more hits today for you guys. Um, got a few revenge spots we're going to discuss on the program in the National Hockey League, NBA, and college hoops. We'll hear from our guys Will Hill and Tim Murray of, of VEASAN, as well as, I mean, we all know the NFL never sleeps. So Thor Nystrom, our NFL draft guru, is going to give us the lowdown on some bettable options as we look ahead to next year. But as we like to do here on the program, let's get started with the news and notes. You need to know our top five stories that impact us as better, starting with a little post-Super Bowl Rams-Bengals update for you. We really ought to call, by the way, Super Bowl 56, the great knee plague of 2022. Bengals head coach Zach Taylor telling reporters this morning, quarterback Joe Burrow suffered and played through a sprained MCL in the big game. Burrow said post-game that he didn't get it checked in-game because he wasn't coming out. It also appears Burrow will not need surgery based on his initial test results, which is very good. But, I mean, you remember C.J. Uzoma, Tyler Higby, they both had MCL injuries. OBJ reportedly an ACL. No bueno, my friends. The Bengals did have a more positive announcement today as well, though, that they've agreed to a contract extension with Zach Taylor that will keep him in Cincinnati through 2026. In his first two seasons, the Bengals post a 6-25 and record, marred, of course, by Burrow's previous ACL injury. Um, but this year, rebounded 10-7 and regular season, defeated the top seed Titans in the postseason, also went on to beat the Super Bowl favorites at the time in the Kansas City Chiefs and fell by just a field goal in the biggest game in the world. Speaking of the team that did win it, they had their parade today and Aaron Donald speaking at the Rams celebratory parade 
Uh, sounded like he's planning to continue playing. So food for thought for those of you who thought that he might be moving on. Number two in our top five, Deshaun Watson rumors season is back. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reporting that the Minnesota Vikings and Tampa Bay Buccaneers are among the teams Watson's interested in being traded to this offseason. Fowler wrote of his source that Watson is still early in the valuation process, but he's looking for the right blend of offensive system, coaching talent, and most importantly, the chance to win his legal issues do remain unresolved and whether the league suspends him under the personal conduct policy is uncertain as well the expectation league-wide however according to Fowler is that the Texans will explore their trade options possibly around the start of the new league year which is March 16th or the NFL draft in late April Bucks 22 to 1 to win the title as of right now in the futures market Vikings 35 to 1. Number three on our list, Jack Eichel is set to officially make his Golden Knights debut later tonight as the VGK hosts the Colorado Avalanche. Odds makers have the Avs as a minus 140 favorite in Vegas despite losing 4-1 at home to Dallas last night, total in the game six and a half. It's the first time the former Sabres captain has played in a game since March 7th, 2021 after undergoing artificial disc replacement surgery for a herniated disc in his neck back in November, a procedure never done before on an NHL player. Knights captain Mark Stone has been placed on the long-term injured reserve list, making room for him. We're not going to see Alec Martinez as well, who remains out. But from a futures perspective, the Avs have been and continue to be the odds-on favorite to win this year's Stanley Cup at plus 475. Vegas not far behind, though. Fourth on the odds board, 8-1. to one. In the NBA last night, the Celtics absolutely crushed the 76ers. 135-87, your final score as just two-point favorites going in. Quietly now, Boston's won nine straight games, 11 of their last 12. They sit sixth in the East, but are just three and a half games out of first. And the conference has seen some upheaval, as we know, these past couple of weeks. Maybe don't count out the Celts. Boston plus 270 to win the Atlantic behind odds on favored Philly. 11 to 1 to win the East, 30 to 1 to win the title. And tonight, they host the Pistons as 12-point favorites. Total in that one, 214. Last one here in college hoops last night. Duke head coach Mike Krzyzewski had to leave the Blue Devils 76-74 win over Wake Forest at halftime after not feeling well, according to the university. Athletic trainers attended to Coach K several times throughout the first half, but assistant John Shire, who's set to take over for Coach K after his retirement at the end of the year, finished the game in his place. Hope, of course, that he's going to be all right moving forward. The Blue Devils won the game in the final seconds, did not cover though as nine point favorites. They're 13 to one in the latest national championship odds, sixth on the board, and they're back in action this Saturday against Florida State. Now, as promised off the top, who doesn't love talking a little bit of revenge? And there are a number of games on multiple cards tonight, whether it's NHL, college hoops, NBA, um, that we see those potential revenge spots that could mean opportunity for betters to get in on some of the action one way or the other if we think that it's a spot where they're poised to. Um, a big one tonight since we're losing, ending on the college hoops there on our top five, I guess that's where we could start. Um, Number seven, Baylor at number 11, Texas Tech tonight. Baylor fell in the earlier meeting by three in overtime uh, back January 11th. I don't see them getting revenge here, though. This is one of those games that I feel weird how much I love Texas Tech, that maybe that's actually a bad thing. Maybe you guys should fade me on this because I'm so high on it. Um, but especially when you take into account the injury issues that Baylor has dealt with, their top scorer, LJ Criers, missed the last five games. He's TBD as of tonight. Their center, Jonathan Chamwachachua, how 
see, I, I worked on that one. I practiced it for you. Um, he suffered a season-ending injury, though, last game, and you feel like his loss is definitely going to change the complexion of the lineup. Texas Tech laying a point and a half at home, and they are so good at home. They are rock solid, 15-0 and 0 at United Supermarkets Arena, where they're 11th in offensive, uh, in offensive efficiency and 12th in defensive efficiency on their home court. Even with that meeting with Texas on the horizon, which, by the way, I am—I know that I am looking ahead to and very excited about. I don't think they're going to be overlooking the number seven team in the country in Baylor. It's a very important game in the, the standings. Everybody's trying to chase Kansas. I would play Texas Tech up to three in this spot. So I don't see the revenge there. One where I do also in college hoops is in the Big East. Seton Hall taking on number 24 UConn tonight. Uh, Seton Hall getting five on the road. I believe that's still the latest number. Um, after winning this game at home in overtime back in January, 90-87. But if you look deeper into the box score, uh, a little surprising the result. Utah, UConn was 60% from three, 47% from the floor. Out rebounded bounded the Pirates 40 to 25 the difference largely was just another worldly performance in the second half from the Richmond kid and UConn had 19 turnovers um, it was also UConn's first game back from a COVID pause so I think that they're going to be much better uh, this time around at home they're coming off a road win over St. John's one two of their last three including a big win over Marquette ranked third in the country in offensive rebounding I think they capitalize on those second chance points tonight I don't know if they cover the number, though. I do think they win 10-0 um, at home, but just 6-6 six and six against the number in their building. Um, Pirates off just a six-point loss to Villanova, which snapped what was a three-game win streak for them. They've had a lot of success. I'm not betting the game, but I do feel like I vibe the Huskies more. I'm just not confident in it, so I'm not betting it. Um, in the NHL, we talked about the Avalanche taking on the Golden Knights here. Avs won this meeting back in October, 3-1. But, I mean, it's February. Like, I don't know how much we can look into a revenge spot from that. I think the Avalanche actually are going to be trying to get revenge in this spot due to the VGK ending their postseason run early last year. Plus, they just got dogged 4-1 last night against the Stars at home, seeing their 20-game point streak come to an end. The first game, the Avs didn't put up at least two goals since November. This is a group that averages more than four goals per game. Even with it being the second half of a back-to-back, -back, I could really see the Avs coming out flying in this game, I'd also expect some rust from Jack Eichel, his first game back. I told you no Mark Stone, no Alec Martinez on defense. Their goaltender, Robin Leonard, um, taking a seat with a torn labrum in his shoulder. And Laurent Brossois has been good, but still not an ideal situation. I may bet the abs on the road. I may bet the over. I still haven't had a confirmed decision in this one. Um, one more in the NHL, Panthers at the Hurricanes. Um, Carolina. Uh, fell in both of the meetings so far this year. A 5-2 loss in November in Sunrise and a 4-3 overtime loss January 8th in Raleigh. Canes get a chance for redemption at PNC tonight. Pick'em type game. Um, both looking to get back in the win column. The Canes have lost three of their last four games since coming out of the All-Star break. But I do think they get revenge here. They're down 0-2 in the series this season. Florida has not played a game since February 1st. We saw how lackadaisical teams like the Sharks and the Kings have looked in their first couple of games back after the long layoff in the All-Star break. I think, I mean, if, if there was any good time to play one of the best teams in the NHL, it's probably when they've had 16 days away from action. Um, obviously, the Panthers on paper are going to be the superior team, but the Canes are at home. 
trying to get back on track. I think a win would be huge for them. There's a couple in the NBA real quickly um, before we go to break. Nuggets at the Warriors. Denver won back on December 28th, 89-86. Another one I'm not so sure that we're going to see revenge enacted here. Um, even if Golden State does win, I, I like the Nuggets to potentially cover here. They've won four of their last five games, four ATS wins in that time as well, while the Warriors 0-5-1 against the number their last six. Um, so, yeah, if the Warriors do get revenge, I'm not sure if they cover. And Jazz taking on the Lakers in L.A. Is LeBron still questionable? Last time I checked before we started the show, he was. That's obviously big. Regardless, I like the Jazz here, though. Feels like two teams going in opposite directions. Utah turned a corner looking for their seventh straight win. The Lakers losing seven of their last nine. Still unreal, by the way. They lost to Golden State the other night after leading by six late. LeBron, one for ten in the fourth quarter. What you doing, my man? Plenty more NBA coming up throughout the show. But when we come back, Thor Nystrom joins the program because we're talking NFL because that's what we do year-round. How can we not? The season just ended. I miss it already. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My Guys of the Desert with Stormy Bonantoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back here on My Guys in the Desert, this segment brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, no batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with either. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, they're spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and more. Plus, for your convenience, every variety also comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zinn, it's America's number one nicotine pouch, available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, so it's never been easier to find your Zinn. Head on over to Zinn.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's Z-Y-N.com slash F-I-N-D. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. And while football season may have come to an end this week, the NFL, as we know, is a year-round sport. Odds makers know it as well, and they are already enticing us with a new interesting quarterback market. Let's call this sticking to the script. Which quarterbacks... Do odds makers expect to remain under center for their current squads or not? And there's potentially some value here. These odds are going to be for who will take the first snap of the regular season with their respective teams. Um, Kyler Murray there, Arizona, big favorite to remain with the cards, even with all the social media antics. Um, Arizona said they're committed to him. I'm sure we see 
an extension coming, whether it's warranted or not. Denver there, Teddy Bridgewater plus 500. So odds makers seem to agree he's probably not the answer to the Broncos franchise quarterback situation. I'm more interested, though, in who is. One that really stands out to me here, Russell Wilson, a non-Russ QB to start for Seattle, is plus 280. His name, we know, has been on the mouths of NFL insiders for a while now, had his first losing season of his career with Seattle in 2021, and while he hasn't demanded a trade, it's clear he's looking for options. Where does Sierra want to go is what everybody's really asking. We also saw Zach Wilson on. I'm not sure why Zach Wilson's on there. He's the number two overall pick a year ago. The investment is clearly in him. Robert Sala has been very complimentary. You know, he dealt with an injury, but I foresee Zach Wilson being the guy plus 700 for any other quarterback to be the guy for the Jets. Um, I mentioned, uh, I guess one other one, Jameis Winston, plus 340 to take that first snap. I like that one with New Orleans. I think there's some value there. He's been working out. We saw the workout videos. Um, he looks impressive. Teammates like him, but how will that work out without Sean Payton? Um, they're a team, though, that could look to the draft potentially, and I think that's a great segue to welcome in somebody who is, I don't know if there's anybody more well-equipped to discuss the NFL draft than our guest, Thor Nystrom, senior content creator at NBC Sports Edge, covering all things college football and the draft. Follow him on Twitter, at ThorKU. Welcome into the program. How excited are you? It's fine. It's draft season. It's your time. It's awesome. Yeah, it's the best time of the year. Uh, I'm juiced up about it. You know, we're going to the combine here in just two weeks. I, I was doing my travel right before I got on with you. So like it's 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 here. We're right on the doorstep. I'm really excited. Yeah, we all are. And, you know, it's funny how we turn the page, the Super Bowl ends, and we're like, what do we do with our hands? There's no football. Actually, yes, there is. And thank goodness there are people like you that get the mock drafts out there that very first day so we can do some exploring and diving into the market. And so I wanted to ask you, so former Oregon star edge rusher Kayvon Thibodeau throughout the course of this college football season was largely considered he's going to be the top overall pick. That narrative has changed a lot. Michigan's Aiden Hutchison kind of taken over that role at the position. Why did we see that flop, you think? In terms of with the top two edge rushers, him against Hutchinson, it's because, well, Hutchinson had the much better season, just number one, of course. But Hutchinson also, you look at the long-term projection, he projects as the more complete all-around player. Um, you know that he's going to be better against the run, setting the edge against the run, stuff like that. He also, you know, while you don't have the the high, high end of the athleticism and the the length that you get with Thibodeau, um, Hutchinson brings with him more, uh, I, I guess, uh, he has more answers when, when the initial question has been shut down by the offensive lineman. He has more counter moves and, and stuff like that. He He's, you know, in terms of the pass rush, not a bad athlete, but he's just a super relentless guy who has a bunch of counter moves as well. So I, I think it's that's why it's 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 the more all well-rounded player who's coming off the better season. And Hutchinson is the plus one sixty favorite to become the number one overall pick by the Jags. But on your mock draft, you have him going too. You have Alabama offensive tackle Evan Neal in the top spot to Jacksonville. He's plus two fifty on the board. Why do you think he's the best fit? Well. With Jacksonville specifically, they go out and they hire Doug Peterson, who obviously has had some success. Doug Peterson's going to be changing a lot of things around there from the way that was done under Urban Meyer. And I thought it was really interesting at his introductory press conference. He specifically sh shined a light on the offensive line in the trenches as the area that he is sort of honing in on in this first offseason to improve. Jacksonville's left tackle and left starting left guard, they're both free agents right now. Juwan Taylor, the right tackle, he hasn't been great since they drafted him 
So that's what led me to Evan Neal. To me, he is the best all, you know, pure tackle in this class. You also have Ekwanu from NC State, who Dane Brugler had going number one in, in his mock draft. He could be an option as well, but he's one of more of those swing guys between the interior and the outside. For for me, if if I just wanted to, you know, punch it down, this is my guy. Um, I, I would go with Evan Neal. And Trevor Lawrence obviously had a rough season, so anything you can do to make life a little bit easier on him, they're going to try to do. With regards to that quarterback position, you have Kenny Pickett first off the board going to the Carolina Panthers. How much of that just stems, you think, from the relationship that he has from Matt Rule and his Temple days, or do you think regardless of the situation, he should be the first quarterback gone? No. I mean, for me, it should be Malik Willis. No question about it. Yeah, in, in, in a class like this, with with the, the tools that Malik Willis has, you don't have a sure thing outside of him. Kenny Pickett's not a sure thing. Kenny Pickett, his ceiling, like absolute bonanza ceiling. You're talking maybe Kirk Cousins or a, another one I heard for him recently was Andy Dalton in his prime. Like that's the bonanza upside for Kenny Pickett, and he might not even get there. Whereas with Malik Willis, if he hits, you're talking about a guy who just as a runner is some freak combination of Lamar Jackson's speed and Jalen Hurts' build and power. Just, just as that. And then he's probably going to have the second strongest arm the day he steps into the NFL. I, I don't know if, if it's going to be stronger than Josh Allen's, but Malik Willis has been destroying all the re- the tracking records for velocity um, and stuff with the ball, the, the throwing ball here in the postseason exhibitions. Um, as far as Kenny Pickett, why did I put him first and why did I put him to Carolina? It's what you mentioned, the, the thing with Matt Rule. Of course, uh, you know, when Matt Rule was at Temple, Kenny Pickett was briefly committed to play for him. That's number one. The other thing is, I, I don't trust, it, it, it's, it's a part of that, but I also don't trust an evolution in thinking uh, from the part of Matt Rule as far as the offensive side of the ball. And you go back to Temple, you know, P.J. Walker, you know, was his quarterback there, a pocket passing guy who obviously now he's working with again in Carolina. When he was at uh, Baylor, it was Charlie Brewer, this kid who was a, pocket, a noodle arm pocket passing guy, ne- never went outside the pocket. And then last year when, when they had the shot to take Justin Fields, Instead, they wanted to, you know, do this post-hype sleeper stab on Sam Darnold, another pocket passer. So if I'm sort of connecting the dots like that a couple months out, that's why I, I put Pickett with Carolina. But in my opinion, Malik Willis should be the first quarterback taken. And in terms of the odds, Kenny Pickett is the odds on favor, but Malik Willis not far behind at, at plus 200. And I think a lot of people probably from the outside looking in didn't hear a ton about him because he played for Liberty. You know, they're used to hearing about the Sam Howell, the Matt Corrals, the Desmond Ritters, and so on. Um, what has made Willis, at least recently, stand above the rest? I know he got a lot of talk coming out of the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I mean... A lot of it was the senior bowl stuff. We knew that he had, you know, the ridiculous tools. And, you know, if you watch his Liberty tape, you're going to see some some flash plays that you maybe have never seen before. There's a couple plays that that I saw Malik Willis make that I don't know that any I, I've seen any quarterback prospect make coming out. Um, but then, you know, the, the tape going the other way, you had some bad plays as well. Um, Malik Willis didn't play with any NFL talent at Liberty. Um, you know, for instance, Sam Howell, you know, the Sam Howell truthers out there. He'll, you know, they'll say the only reason he fell down a bit is because he lost, you know, four NFL skill guys in the draft, you know, and it's like, you know, take it easy on Sam, but it's like, they're not giving the same benefit of the doubt or, or, or baking in the same uh, sort of uh, context into Malik Willis's evaluation, I think, or they weren't before the senior ball. And what did it take for him to, you know, shoot up or whatever since then he goes to the senior ball, an event that did not behoove his skill set. 
because postseason exhibitions for quarterbacks, it's designed to have those quarterbacks play within pro-style structure. Well, most of Malik Willis's damage at Liberty was done outside of structure and either overtly with his legs or with threat of his legs. That's something else you don't really use it in the postseason exhibitions. And yet he went there and was clearly head and shoulders above the other five quarterbacks that were there as a pocket passing quarterback confined to the pocket. His arm was clearly the best. His accuracy was right up there, especially on Wednesday when it was a downpour. He had the best accuracy in the entire group. And he was going through the progressions just like these other guys, just like Howell, just like like Pickett. And by the way, Kenny Pickett really struggled in the rain on Wednesday. Mm. So, you know, you want to talk about a thing of like, you know, the, the hand size, stuff like that, the arm strength. Malik Willis, that is not ever going to be a problem for him. And obviously, he's going to come in as one of the most athletic quarterbacks the NFL has ever seen. We only have about 30 seconds left with you, so thank you so much for your insight and everything. But is the hand size, is it really that big of a deal? I think it's more the uh, middling arm strength, you know, okay. where it's it's a thing where it's like cousins, you know, again, like cousins at best, um, you know, a, a guy like Andy Dalton, something like that. Like, th that's where it's at. And so, like, if you want to blame his struggle, like, for instance, going back to Wednesday at the Senior Bowl, if you want to blame his accuracy issues that day and his velocity issues on having a small thumb, you can. Or if you want to blame it on the fact that he has an average arm, you can do that, too. I, it's pick your poison. All right. All right. Yeah, I was just curious because he didn't want his hand measured. It was a weird thing. Thank you so much, Thor. You are awesome. And uh, safe um, travels to the Combine later. That's Thor Nystrom. When we come back, uh, Tim Murray on the program in my hidden gem of the day. to my guys in the desert with Stormy Bonantoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. Remember, everybody, if you miss any part of this show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, you can check us out with our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of every show or download and listen on your own schedule. Go to VEASAN.com slash podcast. You get My Guys in the Desert. You get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander, Market Insights with Josh Applebaum, plus Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Coast to Coast Hoops, so much more. They're all free and available right now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast time as promised for my hidden gem play of the day and off the radar game you might not have even heard of some of these teams but that's help me help you i'm here for you i'm rolling with the wofford terriers beating the citadel by five or more tonight wofford beat them in spartanburg which is where they play by the way in case you were wondering our producer stephanie wasn't sure in spartanburg south carolina by 12 earlier this year they've historically dominated the series won seven of their last eight meetings they are on the road this time but not exactly a raucous crowd down there at McAllister Fieldhouse at the citadel if you know what i'm saying just five points. I think they should win by seven or eight. I'm comfortable with the number, especially if the Terriers can build off their defensive performance against Western Carolina the other night. They held the Catamounts just 35% from the floor on 20 of 57 shooting. But another reason I like Wofford is because the Bulldogs, we talked about revenge spots earlier. Woff, uh, Wofford here is could take advantage of a Bulldogs letdown spot. They just beat VMI on the road in Lexington, Virginia for the first time in 20 years. That's longer than most of their players have been alive. They also, uh, the Citadel did, made 17 three-pointers in that game, shooting over 53% from beyond the arc. They're not going to do that again. They usually shoot below 34%. Wofford, don't get me wrong, this isn't your Mike Young and Fletcher McGee-led team anymore, but they're better on both sides of the ball statistically. I like the Wofford Terriers. 
I'm barking, but not for the dog this time, for the favorite in our hidden gems. Um, <laughs> a not-so-hidden gem, just a gem, person, human being that I love so much, Tim Murray. We welcome him in, host of the Nightcap here on VEASAN from 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific, 10 to 1 Eastern. Host it with our friend Sean King. And there is nothing I like better than tuning into the Nightcap and hearing your guys' sweats for the evening. So, in terms of college basketball, let's roll with it here. Um, what's one thing that you're going to be sweating out later on tonight? Oh, clearly it's going to be Wofford laying five Obviously. Uh, against the Citadel. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know if you were going to go, you know, Vermont bounce back after getting upset by Hartford. The Catamounts 20 and five now going on the road to New Hampshire. So maybe that was something that was going to be a hidden gem. I like it. I like the little SoCon love there, Stormy. It's some good stuff. Big fan of the Southern Conference out there. Big fan. Um, I actually did. I covered um, their tournament a couple years ago. Did every single men's and women's game. But there, it's a very different league now. Um, I, I wanted to get your plays, though, for tonight. Whether it's a hidden gem or just a big game out there that you really like that you're going to be sweating out. Yeah, uh, let's go to uh, probably the biggest game of the day uh, down in Lubbock. And, uh, and you know, I... I you know, when you analyze these things, we talk about we talked about them last night, and then you know you you start diving a little bit more, you start to think, is this a trap situation? Uh, I do like the the Texas Tech Red Raiders here. Um, you know, Baylor is in a revenge spot, right? They lost to Baylor, or excuse me, Texas Tech earlier this year, so they're trying to get a little bit of revenge. But uh, if you look at Ken Palm and the way that he rates home court advantage, uh, he has Texas Tech as the second best home court. Uh, in all of college basketball. So, you know, we we saw a couple weeks ago this Texas Tech Red Raider squad. Granted, Chris Beard was coming back to town, but that place was absolutely electric. And for Baylor, they've been, you know, they've been a little bit banged up. They lost their big man. Um, you know, Jonathan Chamwa Chachua. I've been practicing yeah. that one. That's for you. Yeah. <laughs> a really, really ugly uh, knee injury. So they lost him. LJ Cryer averaging about 14 points per game. Uh, Scott Drew just keeps saying he's a game time decision. That's kind of the the everyday update on him. But uh, my suspicion is that he's not going to play. So uh, I like Texas Tech as a short home favorite here uh, to take care of business. Uh, so I will roll with the Red Raiders in uh, what is probably the biggest you know, most high-profile game of the night. No doubt. Um, it's going to be a fun one. All eyeballs will be on that game. And just because we are talking revenge spots today, another one I think could be a fun game to keep an eye on. Rutgers at home against Illinois. Obviously, Illinois stomped them back in December, 86-51. Rutgers, I believe, still getting four. Um, but we have to admit, the Scarlet Knights are a very different team two months later. Do you like them taking the points here? The Gers at the rack, Stormy. You got to back the Gers <laughs> at the rack as a dog. 5-0 and straight up and ATS as a home dog this year. Listen to the teams that have walked into Piscataway and have walked out with a loss. Ohio State, Michigan State, Iowa, and maybe the ugliest game of college basketball this year. That game was disgusting, 48-46, but still got it done. Michigan, Purdue. All of those teams have walked into the rack. I know it's called like the Jersey Mike's arena. Now it'll always be the rack. Uh, so once again, is this a, a sell high spot on Rutgers? Potentially, right? Because not only are they winning on at home, Michigan State and Ohio State most recently, uh, they just went to Wisconsin and beat the Badgers who, you know, obviously Wisconsin looking at a three seed right now. So uh, Steve Peichel's squad seems to be picking it up at the right time. They've got a dumbfounding uh, resume considering they lost to the likes of DePaul 
and Lafayette at home. Uh, lost to a UMass team who we'll mention a little bit later, but certainly not a team they should be losing to. But um, I, I do like Rutgers a little bit. I wouldn't say it's my favorite play of the evening. It does feel a little bit trappy because now here we are. We're getting into this trend of Rutgers rolling at home. But uh, catching four, uh, I do think it's an intriguing spot. It, we saw it dip down to three and a half, was bought back up to four. Uh, so, you know, you're seeing some uh, action come in on the favorite in Illinois. But uh, I, I will roll with this until it until it bites us. It's It's been a fun uh one thing to follow all year long is Rutgers on the home court uh, as a home dog. It's it's crazy to think, Stormy, the two losses that uh, that per, uh, Rutgers has at home are to Lafayette and Maryland, mm-hmm. but they've beaten the likes of you know Purdue and uh, and Michigan State and and all of these other teams. So we'll see if they can keep it rolling against Illinois tonight. Yeah, it might be a trap, but it's one your girls walking right in. They're six and zero against the number. <laughs> their last six games as an underdog, and I don't know if anybody's had a better week in college basketball than them. You've listed off a bunch of those names, but their last three wins: Michigan State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Pretty good. Um, because you mentioned UMass, they're taking on the Bonnies, St. Bonaventure tonight. Um, Bonaventure minus 11 and a half tonight, the total 144 and a half against UMass. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this might be a little bit of a letdown spot for the Bonnies. Uh, first off, me and the Bonnies kind of have a love hate relationship. Uh, you know, they have uh, they have underachieved this year for what they were expecting to do. I mean, they were expected to really run away with the Atlantic 10. And now uh, they're going to have to win that conference tournament in order to make the NCAA tournament. However, they've seemed to have turned the page. Uh, they had a home and home situation against St. Louis. They won on Friday on the road and then came back home and won again, but a really short turnaround here for uh, stormy for this, uh, for this St. Bonaventure mm-hmm. squad. And they pretty much play five. That's it. I mean, they have no depth. They are a senior-laden team, a very veteran team, and a quality team when you look up and down. You know, uh, Asuni, their big man, is is tremendous. Kyle Lofton uh, is a fun player to watch. But I just think it's a lot of points uh, in a potential letdown spot. I think maybe running out of gas. Uh, They are at home. uh, But I'll take the points with UMass. I just think situationally, it's a tricky spot, you know, for the Bonnies. Uh, The only, uh, you know, caveat to... Uh, you know, playing St. Bonaventure's as how desperate they are because they've just got so many mm-hmm. losses and they can ill afford one here. But uh, I think this could be a sluggish start uh, here for St. Bonaventure, 48 hours removed from, you know, a second straight win over St. Louis, one of the better teams in the Atlantic 10. So I'll take uh, I'll take 11 and a half with the uh, with the road UMass Minutemen here and uh, hope they can keep it close. Yeah, no doubt. A big number. We'll see what the Minutemen can do. Got time for one more with you. So you tell me which way you want to go. I know Mississippi State Alabama is a game that's out there. St. John Xavier. What are you feeling? Yeah, I'll just hit on those real quickly. Um, you know, Alabama, I mentioned, uh, you know, Rutgers having a crazy resume. Alabama, I mean, the the highs and lows of this Alabama team this year uh, is is ridiculous. You know, losses to Iona and Georgia and uh, and Missouri, but they've got wins over Baylor and Gonzaga and Houston. So really impressive resume. They're coming off of a, a win at home against Arkansas. Seems like it might be a little bit of a flat spot. The worry about fading Alabama is if they get hot from three, which they're capable of doing. They love shooting the three. They don't like making them all that much. <laughs> uh, but I think Mississippi State, this could be a good spot to 
to back a dog, maybe a tricky spot for Alabama off that win over the weekend against Arkansas. So uh, looking at taking the points of Mississippi State. And then if Posh Alexander is back for St. John's, uh, I think St. John's has got an opportunity to go into the Cintas Center and keep things close against Xavier. I think that number's a bit inflated. Xavier's struggling a little bit, coming back down to earth. Talent-wise, St. John's with Champagne and uh, and Alexander could potentially keep things close. So two dogs to keep an eye on. I would look at Mississippi State on the road at Alabama and also St. John's catching eight at Xavier. Thank you, Tim. I'll be texting you tonight. I'll be sweating them out with you. All right, see you, Stormy. That's our guy, Tim Murray. Make sure you check him out tonight on the Nightcap alongside Sean King. Um, I'm going to play my own version of Puckstradamus, which is our guy, Sean King, when we come back with Taken by Storm and Will Hill joins us live. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to My Guys in the Desert with Stormy Bonantoni on VSIN, the sports betting network. Hey everybody, VEASAN's got a great new offer and it can only be described as madness. You get VEASAN all access to everything we do from now through the College Hoops National Championship April 4th for just 29 bucks. Sign up now, get our daily best bets emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to all things VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every single game. This deal only happens once a year. Do not miss out. Visit VEASAN.com slash madness to sign up today and we're just a couple weeks away from March Madness I'm so excited but we have some madness in the National Hockey League tonight as well time for taken by storm e I know that I'm no Sean King Puckstradamus I'm no Andy McNeil but your girl loves her hockey and I've got a couple plays I think that you might like to starting with the Calgary Flames and the Ducks over five and a half goals tonight. Betting the Flames money line is just too steep a price on the puck line. Not worth the risk there. Um, too steep a price on the money line, rather. Not worth the risk puck line because Anaheim plays teams so close. Both of their meetings this year went to a shootout. And for Anaheim, I think it was eight, six of their last eight games were just decided by one goal. The Flames, meanwhile, rolling seven straight wins, outright winners in nine of their last ten, hitting the six or more goal mark every time but one. Anaheim does play a little bit more of a defensive game, but they've only had one game 
since the All-Star break, and it was last Friday when they let the Kraken drop four on them. This game is in Calgary. I think they continue to roll, and even on the second half of a back-to-back, the goals are far from drying up. I also, as you see here, wild money line, plus 120 at the Winnipeg Jets. Speaking of revenge spots, this one meets the mold to a T. The only losses the Wild have had since January 1st were one to one of the best teams in the National Hockey League in the Colorado Avalanche, and the other one just a little while ago, eight days ago, to Winnipeg, a 2-0 shutout against the Jets. The first time all year Minnesota's been shut out. Connor Hellebuck was no doubt an X-factor in that one, stopped all 27 shots that came his way. I don't think that happens again. The Wild have the third best scoring rate in the NHL, 3.8 goals per game. That new kid, you see the young guy, Matt Boldy, 14 points in his first 13 career games, including a Hattie the other night. The Jets are just inconsistent enough for me to absolutely love the Wild in the revenge spot uh, later on tonight. Tempted to make a couple more plays in hockey. I'll tweet them out if I do. I'll let you guys know. Time to get some plays in the NBA, though. We love talking association with our guy, Will Hill, at not the Will Hill on Twitter, host of the New York City cast, also a point spread weekly contributor, all things vcin.com. Welcome in, Will. How are you? Stormy, what's going on? Nice to talk. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well, and I'm so excited. I know you dropped a new episode of the New York City cast today. I'm going to listen to it on my drive home. What can the people expect? What are you talking about this week? It's actually a really good one. Mike Sando, NFL insider. Uh, A lot of insight in terms of the quarterback carousel, who's going where. He's got some interesting thoughts. You might want to check it out. Uh, Tom Brady, San Francisco, he seems to think that maybe this retirement's not going to last very long, that it was maybe uh, more dissatisfaction with the Bucs. And this retirement kind of puts them out of the picture. Now he can set it up to where, well, if I am going to play, maybe I'll play with the 49ers. So uh, a lot of interesting insight from Mike Sando. So check it out. Eason.com slash podcast. Thanks. Don't you do this to me, Will. You're getting me all riled up and excited. I know Tom wanted to go to the 49ers and for whatever reason, they were like, oh, no, we're good. We're good. We got it. We're not good. We want Tom Brady. So come out of retirement. I will gladly take you. Anyways, we promised the people we would talk association. So um, let's talk about this Nets and Knicks game coming up later tonight. I'll ask you about Ben Simmons in a moment. Let's talk about the guys who will be playing first. Brooklyn finally stopped the bleeding, the 11-game losing streak the other night against Sacramento. Can they keep it rolling against a Knicks team that's been struggling? Yeah, I'm not sure. I just look at this and I don't think, how can the Knicks be favored by four and a half, five points over (laughs) anybody? Uh, They've been a disaster. They lost at home to the Thunder the other night. Uh, They had a terrible loss to the Blazers where the Blazers outscored them like 52-19 on Saturday. And usually I'd say, you know what? There's a home court advantage at MSG. Knicks fans will be crazy. This is a rivalry. The Knicks fans, I think, are just so down, so apathetic. They're frustrated with Thibodeau. You know, he's insistent on playing these veterans. They have a bunch of young talent. They seem to... Uh, not prefer to play for whatever reason. That's just Tibbs' MO to play the veteran. So uh, to me, it's just two kind of bad teams right now. That's really what the Nets are without Kyrie, with no Durant, no Simmons, no Harden. Uh, But again, Knicks should not be favored by four and a half over anybody. So I'll take the points here. All right. No, I like that play, too. I was looking at the schedule. Knicks have dropped nine of their last 11 games. So maybe the Nets, with their new pieces that are on the court, can continue to build a little bit of confidence there. Seth Curry's been a nice addition. But can you talk about that trade a a little bit there? Harden, obviously, moving on. Ben Simmons not playing yet, but it sounds like potentially soon after the All-Star break. Yeah, it's really a kind of an interesting trade. Both teams are kind of in a, a staring contest. Both teams look at each other like you should be the desperate one. No, you're the desperate one where uh, Philly was like, you know what? You're going to lose Harden for nothing if you don't do this deal. 
And the Nets can say to, to Philly, you know what? Your guy's not even playing. So I don't know why you're not doing this deal. So uh, I think it kind of worked for both teams. Uh, Harden helps Philly. Now Simmons, you know, gets the, the headache that Harden's long-term contract would be out of the way. Simmons is actually a pretty good basketball fit with the Nets. You know, defense, rebounding, those are things the Nets need. Uh, and the things Simmons can't do, you know, shooting, scoring, that's the stuff the Nets don't really need. So from a basketball standpoint, it's not a bad fit. It's just, look, Durant's not back yet. Simmons isn't back yet. You only get Kyrie for like 40% of the games because he can't play at MSG, can't play at home, can't play in Toronto. So this is going to leave you a couple weeks now if you're the Nets where you don't have any of these guys. So the Nets are you know, more than likely going to be a playing team. Yet they're still odds-on favorite steadily yeah. to win the NBA title. I don't get it. That's Is that just a liability thing with the books that they've remained that high? Probably. And look, if they get Durant back and they get in the playing game, even if they win one playing game, they're back in the main draw. They could be favorite, co-favorite, you know, kind of a toss-up against anybody. I'd probably still pick the Bucks over them. I might still pick the Sixers over them. Uh, the Heat are good. The Heat are kind of sitting there quietly at 12-1. Mm -hmm. to 1. The Heat might have some value on them. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that price is justified. To me, it's probably just about liability because, like you said, I just don't trust them. It, these guys are never on the court. And, you know, who's to, who's to say Durant's going to come back and not get hurt again? He's been hurt a lot. Kyrie's been hurt a lot. You know, whether it's vaccines, injuries, there's, there's just always something mm -hmm. with this team. All, and I saw a stat a week ago that said that a team that had a seven-game or longer losing streak had never won an NBA title. Nets had 11, so a big difference there. Another game on the card tonight, Trailblazers at the Memphis Grizzlies. John Morant, we know, is unavailable last night on the second half of a back-to-back -back may or may not go. Any feelings with regards to this one? Yeah, I just think it's a tough spot for the Grizzlies. They played last night in New Orleans. Now they have to fly home back-to-back. Uh, to me, I, you know, if Rant's 50-50, they'll probably hold them out. You know, it's all-star breaks coming up, dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, to me, you know, you, you might not have him tonight. And you're getting a lot of points with a Portland team that's actually played pretty well since the trade deadline. You know, you got a little uh, backcourt here with Simon and uh, and Josh Hart. They beat Milwaukee in Milwaukee the other night on uh, on Valentine's Day by, you know, 15, 18 points. Uh, they had a good win against the Knicks, good win against the Lakers. So 11 uh, is a lot of points. It's not a great spot here for Memphis. So. Uh, I'll take the Blazers here plus the points. We've seen a lot of crazy results in the NBA the past couple of days with upsets, blowouts. You could tell these players are, you know, kind of running on fumes and have one eye on the all-star break here. Yeah, no doubt. And I'll keep an eye on John Morant. He did tweet about an hour before we went on air. Last home game before the break, pull up. Does that mean he's pulling up? Okay. That's what I want to know. I don't know. Um, nuggets at Warriors tonight. Um, what do you think about that one? Yeah, I'll go with the Nuggets here. Still no Draymond for the Warriors. Still no Iguodala. They've really struggled on defense the last week or two. And, uh, you know, I like Denver. I just think they'll be able to score. I'm not opposed to an over here. And to me, Denver uh, is live tonight. And if you're looking for a real long shot to come out of the West, maybe win it all. Denver, if they get Murray back, if they get Porter Jr. back, outside of the Suns, who, you know, as much as they win every single night, they don't have that great top three, top five player. Maybe the Nuggets can sneak out of the West. You know, they're 35 to one now to win it all. Uh, to me, the Nuggets are live tonight. I like them plus the five. And again, that 35 to one is pretty interesting. I might bet that actually once I get off. <laughs> well, just supporting your theory for tonight's game. Warriors, by the way, 0-5 and 1 against the number of their last six games and 5 and 10 ATS after a loss this season. But you like the Nugs, 35 to 1. Shout out. Yeah, I just look, you look at every team that wins it all. I mean, it's usually a top three, top five player. Jokic is that. I mean, Jokic mm -hmm. somehow, he, he's won an MVP and he's still somehow underrated. And watching him is just so much fun. It, you know, football season's over, but it's like watching a great quarterback. Some of the angles on the passes he tries and, and succeeds, uh, it's just, it's incredible to watch. He's just an incredible player. I really don't think the NBA markets him properly because he is just 
uh, a one of one in terms of what he can do on the court. That's a bad roster other than him. Mm -hmm. But again, when they get more uh, Porter back, they get Murray back. Could be a pretty dangerous team. Speaking of MVP, do you have any bets out there in that market? I have a few. I have a few long shots. I'm tempted to jump in on Curry. I think there's some 10 to ones on Curry. I see you guys have it up at plus 750. If you can get nine to one, 10 to one, it's not so much who you bet with these. It's when you bet him. Like Embiid mm -hmm. was 50 to one at one point. John Morant was like 60 to one to start the year. To me, this is kind of a low spot where you might want to buy on Curry. They're, st they're still going to have a top two record. Uh, it seems like he's come out of his shooting slump the last week or two. I mean, he really shot the ball terribly for, you know, a month, five weeks. But, uh, you know, these these awards can turn. I mean, think about football. The end of the year, look like Belichick was going to be coach of the year. Look at Mac Jones is going to be rookie of the year. And, you know, one good week, one bad week can kind of flip these things pretty quickly. So uh, Curry, if, if you can get the best price, you know, Nine to one, ten to one, something like that. I think Curry's interesting. No, I think you said that perfectly. Not always who you bet, but when you get in on the number. Thank you, Will. You're awesome. All right, Stormy. See you. Appreciate you guys. And I have some very important listening to do now that we are getting off air. The New York City cast. What will my Niners be doing? Danny Burke and Rush Hour coming up. You won't want to miss it. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.